To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope the new year is bringing in some wonderful things. After these past two years of struggle and growth, I hope you're seeing some results of any seeds you have planted along your journey. I know I am, and I wish the same for all of you. And I know we're back in some tough times again. Kids are in and out of school. My two younger kids, two out of the three fifth grade classrooms are schooling from home. Theirs is the one that's still in school. So I know these next couple of weeks are supposed to be rough. Um, so we'll all hang on and we'll all get through this. So we actually just returned from a very much needed and deserved family vacation. All five of us went together, even though we're separated. And I'm going to share more at the end of the podcast for those who want to stick around and hear about it. But I'm going to get right to the question for those who want me to just get to the question. So I don't want to be like one of those recipe sites. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you have to read like three paragraphs or more all about the memory the recipe invokes before you just get to the recipe. Actually, my ex 
gets so annoyed with those websites that he said he's going to start his own recipe website and call it just the darn, but he doesn't use the word darn recipe. So he's going to do just the darn recipe.com. Okay. On to the question from Diane. So for me, just the darn question and answer, Aaron. On to the question from Diana, who wrote in to ask about her four-year-old daughter's fears. And she wrote, hello, I'm hoping for some guidance regarding a fear that my recently turned four-year-old daughter has had for about a year, but has slowly gotten worse over the last couple months. She's afraid of certain males and especially teenage males. Whether it's her own cousins or strangers that come up into close contact with us at gatherings, etc., I'm not sure why this has developed, but hoping to get some insight of how we can help her cope or get over her fear. She has also recently become afraid of the dark, but we are trying to help her through that as well from your suggestions on one of your podcasts. Thank you very much for your time and any advice. So as we know, these fears and anxieties are very common in early childhood, but why? The biggest reason is the rapid cognitive development during this age. I mean, there's all kinds of development, but cognitive is just one of those areas. In particular, the imagination. It leaves our toddlers and preschoolers ripe for all kinds of wonderful creative ideas and play, but it also leaves them very vulnerable to an imagination that also can have some scarier components to it. Monsters, ghosts, witches, Really anything that can, in their minds, morph into something way scarier than it really is. It takes time for the development of the logical brain. In the same way that that logical brain helps counteract big emotions of meltdowns and tantrums, it also helps balance the world of fantasy and reality. So when we have a big imagination and big fantasy and big ideas and not a strong foundation and development in concrete concepts and reality... It means that there's possibilities, whatever they are, the things that come alive or come visit us in the dark like monsters or things we encounter in our waking life like bugs or thunder and lightning or dogs or separation anxiety or loud teenage boys. I don't know if they're loud, but my adolescent son gets pretty excited and loud with his siblings, so that could be part of it or that could be what has triggered her. But it means it's not uncommon for those fears to take on a bigger meaning more space, more thoughts that carry them away, that carry our children away until they have more of a logical brain developed to help them balance this fantasy and reality, this big imagination with the real world. Also though, sometimes fears are founded, and I'm going to cover that piece as well, how to parse this out how to manage it, and help children cope with fears and anxieties regardless of whether we might consider them founded or not. Because whether or not it's something actually happened that felt unsafe to them with a lingering fear, like an actual bee sting that leaves a lasting fear of bugs, or a teenager who yelled at the young child to get out of my room, or accidentally hurt that child while they were roughhousing or playing ball with their friends and maybe fell into them or something, or they got hit with the ball, or... It's what we would consider unfounded, what an adult might consider unfounded. The idea that these things are scary, even if they've never had a negative encounter. The feelings that go along with the fear are as real as anything to our children. So it's the feeling that we're actually really dealing with. So we're helping them acknowledge, work through them, learn how to cope with them, and face their fears. And of course, this is a process. 
because it is going to take time for the logical brain to kick in. So trying to convince them of the reality is not always very helpful. So we're going to work on this in several different ways. So I don't know how many of you follow, read, or listen to Brene Brown, but I'm a really big fan of hers. So she's a researcher at a university in Texas. She lectures, she writes books about emotions, things such as shame and vulnerability. And she's written many, many books. She has her latest book out, which I have not read yet. But one of the very insightful and wonderful things that she has said is that being brave doesn't mean we aren't afraid. To the contrary, being brave means being afraid and doing it anyway. So this is what we're helping our kids do, to face their fears and do it anyway. The way we do this, though, is very important. We don't brush over it. Oh, it'll be fine. You'll be okay. We don't try to force them, even in the most well-meaning ways. So it's a process. We work with them on while we guide them through this, but also without accommodating. So this is a real fine line. So you'll, you'll see this as we go forward. So I'm going to get into this now. How do we do this? What is this process? Well, like a lot of processes I talk about, getting kids ready in the morning who are pushing back, getting kids to stay in their rooms um, at night, getting your child to leave the park, aggressive acts. Anytime they're showing big feelings, we acknowledge the feelings in a real heartfelt way, not a patronizing way, not as a step in the process that we want to get through to get to the step where we tell them what we need them to do, but as a real point of connection. Now, we may not understand why they're all bent out of shape when they can't get the box open, but we do understand frustration. When we want to do something we're struggling to get done, I mean, I've had packages I've had one heck of a time trying to open, and that is frustrating. So we connect with the feeling, even if we don't understand the fear behind it or the big frustration behind it or the big deal, but we don't understand the fear of bugs or their fear of other children or the teenagers, but we're still going to connect with the feeling. I can see that you're really scared about being around the teenage boys. Now, my other question here would also be, I want to interject, is Diana, do you know of any incident that triggered this or have you asked? Because this would be a really important thing to just look into and learn if there's some behavior or incident in particular that was scary for her. So if it was something like they are really loud or that they do play really rough and it makes her feel unsafe when she's around them and maybe they bumped into her or she got hit with a ball they were throwing around or whatever was happening. So working with that information can also make this really helpful so that you can work with that and help her find some safe ways of being in the environment, but also allowing her to feel safe, but still exposing her to this so that she can work through this. So let's just say she's quieter and they're just loud and boisterous. You'll want to figure out a way to help her feel protected from being overwhelmed. So we're going to do this in steps and small ways of helping her start to feel more comfortable in the environment. So it doesn't mean we just stay home and forget about it, but we're going to help her feel calm and as much as she can, you know, protected and safe in the environment. Is there a place she can go? A secret word she can let you know she's had enough and is ready for some quiet time. You know, teenage boys are not always the most appropriate either, and they don't stop and think about little people most of the time. So they can be pretty oblivious. 
So really making sure she can feel comfortable to the degree possible, you know, making the visit shorter or a quiet place that she can go. And when I talk about allowances or not making allowances in this case, it might mean we're not avoiding the situation altogether, like I said. It's like, it's not that we're not going to go to the family gathering or that we're not going to go outside or we're not going to go to the store or whatever it is because we might run into teenage boys or we're not going to go outside because we're afraid of bugs or not going to go to bed because we're afraid of monsters or we're not going to go to the family dinner because of the older kids, because we feel overwhelmed and scared because that's not the answer. But we have some minimum expectations We're going to spend some time outside today in a way that feels safe from bugs. We're going to keep the lights brighter so it doesn't feel so scary when they go to sleep in their own room. We're going to spend time with family, and so we're going to stay and have the meal together. Um, You can sit right beside me, or you can sit between your dad and I. So it's giving the opportunity for exposure in a very safe way. I'm going to get into this a little more in a minute, but I want to dig in here with some other areas for families who might be dealing with some other areas of fear. So let's just say in the case of bugs, we might go for a walk rather than playing in the sandbox. For bedtime, it's allowing more light with a lamp or a dimmer, but it isn't having mom or dad stay in the room all night or staying with mom and dad so we don't have to face our fear. It isn't skipping the family gathering altogether. It's having a family meal together because it's mealtime. And the children will be quieter and better behaved at the table with their parents and, you know, just a quiet mealtime than they will likely be when they're playing games and getting rambunctious at other times during the visit. So then we can work with the other parts. It's acknowledging the fear. So we're not brushing it off. We're not brushing it under the rug. We're not ignoring it. We're not downplaying it. At the same time, we're also not avoiding it either. So allowing a child to stay inside to avoid bugs, sleep in mom and dad's bed to avoid sleeping alone and the fear of monsters, or staying home from a family gathering. If it's simply due to kids who behave or are boisterous teenagers and their way of interacting and makes the child feel overwhelmed, doesn't give any opportunity to practice and overcome. So we're supporting and scaffolding the process of working through the fear, creating the opportunity to develop the skills, the bravery, facing our fears and doing it anyway, but in small steps and ways that feel safe. For bedtimes, we're in the next room if you need us. For bugs, we're just going on a short walk, we'll stay on the sidewalks. And they could even ride their bike if that helps, they stay up higher. This is for you know, children that are old enough to pedal a bike or do a, a balance bike or something like that. For family gatherings, we'll all be together. If you need some quiet time and would like me to join you, we will find a quiet place where we can take a break and go read books or play quietly together until you're ready to go back and join in. And the last thing I wanna say about this piece is that telling and showing a child there's nothing to be afraid of are kind of one and the same. So when it comes to bugs, or let's use dogs in this case, for instance, look at how nice the doggy is. Look, he let me pet him. He's not scary at all. That doesn't really help because the dog is still scary. The dog chased your kid once or jumped on your kid once, and they're much bigger to your kids than the dog is to you. So no amount of coercing that the dog is really nice or sweet is going to convince your child that the dog isn't scary. Acknowledging the dog feels scary to your child, allowing your child to be around the dog in a safe way, like in a crate or behind a gate, is how you help your child overcome the fear slowly. So hopefully that's a good example that works. Also, just I wanna say something about bedtime here because you know it's good to show the child around the room, 
open up the doors in the closet, look under the bed together. There's nothing in here. You're very safe. And you do want to point out that there's no such thing as monsters because we don't want to buy into the thing like there's monsters and I have monster spray. That's not really helpful. But we do want to give them some reality, um, help them understand the reality of the situation. You know, that whatever that is that's bothering them. So the teenage boys are rambunctious and loud. Teenage boys and girls too, but teenage boys can be very rambunctious and loud. I know that feels overwhelming. So let's find a way that you can feel safe. And then explain how this is just the way older kids interact. But that's the reality, but that it's a safe situation, but it may feel like a lot to your child. So you're going to protect that, but also talk about the reality of the safety, the reality of that they're safe. So looking under the bed for the bedtime thing, looking in the closet for the bedtime thing. There's no such thing as monsters, but we're going to look around. I'm going to show you there's nothing in your closet. There's nothing under your bed. But saying there's nothing to be afraid of is where we cross over into kind of some unhelpful language. So, you know, I understand that sometimes when you're young, these things, your imagination can get um, your imagination can get away with you and it feels like there's something scary in the room. I do understand that. And I think we all do as adults understand that because I still remember as a child thinking there were witches under my bed and that they were going to grab me when I got out of bed in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom. So I would leap across my bed onto the floor and then I'd come flying in the room and take this flying leap <laughs> across half my room onto my bed. I still remember that. And I was even older. I think I was 10 or 11 and I still was a little afraid and I knew there were no such thing as witches, but I didn't know there were no such thing as witches. So and acknowledging the fear, acknowledging that it can feel very real, but also showing them that their room is safe at the same time. Okay, so there's a few more steps to helping kids face and overcome fear. So in addition, I'm gonna get to those. How long this should take to see some improvement? And when a fear or anxiety is becoming more of a concern and it's time to seek some help from a specialist. So I'm gonna get into those right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. BiHeart is an easy to digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey to casein ratio, like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only US-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one -on -one support to help you meet your goals. 
EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now that we're back, let's get into a few more tips for working with kids around anxieties and fears. And then we'll also get into... The how, when is it time to seek some professional help from a specialist if the fear is becoming too overwhelming and if things aren't getting better? So oftentimes we're afraid we will make things worse if we mention it or talk about it. The thing about kids, especially young kids, but even up to seven, eight, is that their emotions are right on the surface. They have them, they feel them, and so they need to deal with them. Adults? We often ignore them. We brush them aside. We push them down. We don't want to talk about it with other people. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want a confrontation, whatever it is. It's inconvenient. We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel upset. We feel like we're not entitled to have that feeling. Well, we sometimes lose practice at dealing with these emotions when we do that too much. So we struggle when it comes to helping our kids deal with them. And our kids can be great teachers for this. You know, we want to give our children a great vocabulary for sharing their feelings. So here are some great words to use and teach about the feeling of fear. So you can use words like scared, anxious, insecure, weak, threatened, helpless, frightened, overwhelmed, worried, excluded, nervous, exposed, insignificant, Now, some of these are big words. So insignificant is probably a really big word for a two-year-old or three-year-old, maybe even a four-year-old, but it's great for them to hear them and get practice. So you get the idea. You want to use these words. You want to use a large, colorful, um, expansive vocabulary around feelings so that they can learn all of these different nuances of their feelings. Use them in your language when you feel nervous or fearful. Explain what they mean. Use them to describe your child. If you see them reacting in ways you think fit, overwhelmed is a great one. You look really overwhelmed by what's going on right now in the room. There's a lot going on in here. I can understand that. Let's go sit quietly together in another room and find our center and then come back out when we feel like we are ready to be in this situation that is very overwhelming. So having this rich vocabulary for feelings is a gift. Talking about these feelings, creating a safe space to allow all feelings is really important. So you don't want to feel like if I bring it up, I'm making it worse. Or what if I say something that makes it worse? Because it not only helps your child process 
their current fear, but it creates an environment where later on concerns, fears, difficult feelings are allowed and they're welcomed. You are a safe space to come and talk about the boyfriend that dumped me, the friend who stabbed me in the back, whatever it is, the teacher that they're struggling with. If we're not brushing things off now, they know that we're going to be there to listen later on when the really big things come up. Now, I use this one a lot, but it's because it's a great one, and that is reading books about emotions and fear in particular. So here are a few, just to get you started, that is about anxiety and fear in particular. Is a worry worrying you? Wemberly worried. When I feel scared. And the invisible string. Now this is particularly about separation anxiety, but it's a great message and comfort for kids that can address other worries and fears too. So the invisible string is about the connection that we all have to each other, to our loved ones, even when they're not with us and how they're always there thinking about us, looking after us, loving us, sending us love, even when we can't see them. So that is just a really sweet book and a great message. Okay, let's cover the two other topics. So how long should it take to see some positive changes when we start really doing this? It should take a couple of weeks. You should see some changes within a couple weeks. Now these processes do take time, but if you're really committed, you're coaching, supporting, allowing the feelings, discussing feelings, reading books several times throughout the week, and things haven't changed at all or seem worse, then you may wanna consider bringing in some professional help. Nightmares, bedtime, separation anxiety, these are all really normal and do and will come and go for most kids throughout the toddler years. And they usually peak, just so you know, around three and a half to four, because that imagination is really peaking during that time, three and a half to four. So not just those fears, but any fears that your child may have is going to peak around that time. So these are also things to keep in mind. Then they're going to start to dissipate, not overnight, (laughs) but over time. So they may also disappear for a while, for months even, and then resurface. Separation anxiety, parents are often surprised or the up, getting up in the middle of the night and the fear of monsters. Like they disappear for months and then all of a sudden their child doesn't want to be dropped off at school or their child is struggling with you know, sleeping through the night again because they're afraid of something, afraid of the dark, afraid of the monsters. It comes and goes. So this is normal. So if it's gone for a while and it comes back, that is normal. But if you're having big fears, meltdowns, terrified clinging, and overwhelm over dogs, bugs, bedtimes, family gatherings, being left at school that just is not getting better, any other number of fears that are, then you want to get into your pediatrician or if you have or know of resources of your own for children's mental health and anxiety and working on that anxiety and fear in particular, then definitely go direct to that resource you have and get in for an assessment so that you can get going on a treatment plan because some people and therefore some kids are more prone to anxiety. And this has been found to run in family. So if a parent struggles with anxiety and has had anxiety, then children often have anxiety. Their children, um, it's not uncommon for a child to have issues with anxiety as well. So you wanna get the tools for your child and for yourself to help your child cope and work through. And to have that time set aside each week to learn and focus on working through the feelings and a plan together. Testing and honing the plan, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Some things work with some people and some kids and some things don't. So you may test some things that don't work and find some things that do. And then something might work for a while and then it won't work any longer. So 
it's great to have that extra support if you have a child who is really, really dealing with a lot of anxiety. And you support your child so that they are ready as they grow through life to face more of life's worries and fears and challenges as we all do. So one way that clinicians use to determine if an issue is one that needs intervention is if it affects our life choices, if it gets in the way of life, if it gets in the way of friendships, activities, school, especially things that we really like. For adults, it might get in the way of work. Now, this is a little bit of a judgment call, especially with kids, because as I've already discussed, with separation anxiety being so common, lots of toddlers and young elementary age kids even, up to age seven, can go through those spurts where they're afraid to go to school, don't want to get dropped off at school. So that is going to be common. But if your child is so afraid of dogs or bugs or family gatherings that they're refusing to go do something they love or having huge reactions to the idea of going to do something they love, seeing a friend or seeing a family or going on an outing. So if you're something like, if your child is so afraid of bugs that they don't wanna walk over to their friend's house, that is an anxiety that is getting in the way of life. What if they don't wanna go to the park because of a fear of dogs or because of a fear of bugs? That type of thing. They love the park, but they don't wanna go. That's getting in the way of their life. And so it's time to you know, work on this. And if you're not seeing some results on your own within two weeks, not going to be better, but you'll see some results. And if it's not getting better, and especially if it's getting worse, you want to get in and get some additional help. So I hope that this was helpful in working with young children on their fears, understanding what's normal, understanding when it's gone above and beyond and time to get some extra help, lots of steps and tips for working with our young children on fears or children of any age, really whether they're common or seem common or not so common, there is one class, separation anxiety, that goes into the particular anxiety, obviously, of separation, how to help set your child up for success, how to support it in a positive way, and of course, the background information on what it is, why it's actually a good thing, why it's part of development, and then lots of great tips for making it much smoother for everyone. The development series, infant, toddler, and preschooler, there are sections about social-emotional development, what is normal, how to support it, ways to develop it, so you can learn about that in there, and then any red flags in those areas and when it's time to get in, uh, get some extra help with that. The memberships also come with access to the member chats every about two to three times a month where you can come and ask me any specific parenting questions that you may have your unique questions with your unique child because they all are. So that's a great resource and perk for members um, who really would like to take advantage of that. So if you're interested, you can go to the website at yourvillageonline.com. Look into the membership options. Okay, the vacation. Just share a little bit about our vacation. We, uh, I had decided and had brought up to Corey that I felt like our family had been through a lot in the last two years, our kids had been through so much. Two of our dogs passed away of old age. So we did talk to them about it a lot and they were, you know, well prepped that what was coming for a while with our dogs and they lived a long time, but they had two dogs pass away. As a lot of you know, you know, we separated, we moved to a new town. And so there was just a lot of changes for these kids. They changed schools and I'm about to move into my own house. So we're going to have two separate homes here pretty soon. And we went on separate vacations this summer. And I said, you know what? I think we need to have a family vacation. Um, 
you know, as you all also know, Corey and I get along very, very well. We're still very good friends. And so we took a much needed family vacation and went down to Los Cabos and spent uh, six days and we swam with dolphins and we, t- we rented some UTVs and which were multi seat. So we had a two seater and a four seater and had the girls in one and the boys in another. And we just went bouncing through the desert. Um, what well, was along the, the ocean too. It was absolutely amazing. Went into town. I got to practice my Spanish. We shopped, we ate and played tons of ping pong. And so here's a really cool thing about as kids get older. So our oldest son, as a lot of you know, is 12. Carter is 12 and he's actually about to be 13 next month. And he has developed into this kid who is really fearless. It seems like he went in and joined in all the activities. He played volleyball. He played beach volleyball, playera. I still remember that word, (laughs) volleyball playera. And he would go and play volleyball with these people, adults, other kids, mostly tweens and uh, adults all from all over the world, all different cultures, people from Canada, people from Europe, people from other areas of Central America and South America. And they were all out there playing this game together. And it just was really heartwarming to see. And he's a really good player. And he just, every time they played volleyball, he wanted to be out on the beach playing volleyball. We played tons of ping pong. He was always wanted to play ping pong if he wasn't playing volleyball. So I played more ping pong on this vacation than I probably paid, played in most of my life. He wanted to do all the card games. Um, I did the dance class in, that they had up in front of the pool. It was really fun. So anyway, we just had a really nice vacation with the family and much deserved. All had to get our COVID test tested negative and got to come home and missed our dog. And so now we're back. So that was our wonderful vacation. So it is just really fun to see kids grow into their amazing selves, the potential that they have as people. So if you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.